This is Existential, a podcast aimed at reminding you that it's okay to be human. We listen to human stories and human experiences, and we wrestle with issues of justice, faith, and culture. I'm your host, Corey Leak. Thanks for listening. existential listeners. My name is Jen and I'm one of the team members here at Existential. I just wanted to pop in here briefly and let you know that while Corey is on sabbatical, we are highlighting some of our favorite episodes from Existential Sunday and bringing them here to you on Existential Podcast. Enjoy. Per usual, I'm going to invite you to get on this train (laughs) And I don't know, I know ultimately where the train is going, but I do not know all the stops along the way. So get on the train with me. We're going to talk today about how, maybe a little bit of why, and some of the what perhaps behind why it is, how it is that American Christianity and just America in general polices black thought, black ideas, black energy, um, black words, black communication, how it is policed. And the reason I started thinking about this a lot was was after I did the podcast with Letty Shoemate, which if you've not heard the podcast with Letty Shoemate, you need to make sure that you listen to that because it's amazing. It's an amazing, amazing episode. In fact, today would be a great day to listen to it. It's the last day of Black History Month. And we talk about Black history uh, on that podcast. And one thing, one of the things that Letty said, and I'm going to butcher exactly what she said, but she said that whenever Black folks begin to take up too much space, that there is like a concerted effort to from white folks from white America to move in and put us back in our place to like make sure that we don't start to get outside of the role that we have been given in the United States that we don't get outside of the tropes that we don't get outside of the the constructs that exist for our subjugation like we like anytime we begin to try to move out of that and take up more space in the United States, it's like this concerted effort to, to, to police us, which got me to thinking about all of the ways and all of the like the, the, the examples of this that I've seen in my own life coming out of the Christian tradition or being a part of the Christian tradition. Um, and I, I just I'm like, I, I've been thinking about it. It just made me like really see these things and go, oh, that's why. That happens. As an example, it dawned on me some time ago that you rarely see, and I can only think of about one, maybe two examples that are the exception to what I'm about to say. You rarely see Black thought leaders in white spaces that are brought in to talk about things that are not related to race or racial reconciliation or DEI. 
it's very rare that like you see black thought leadership invited into white space to talk about things like leadership structure um whatever it is like what whatever the things are about the the organizational structure about the flow chart the org chart about communication about um human interaction it's very rare that you find that like people will go oh let's invite this person in that's black to talk about something that's not related to race and specifically especially in the church space rarely in the church space do you find that the thoughts of black folks that are not about race are are openly welcome and openly invited into a process and it's preposterous to think that black thought is invited to lead the process like you you might i mean again there are some exceptions to the rule where people are brought to speak into it but my god the idea of actually having black thought leaders lead it is like way out there it's like wait like it's 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 like it's it's unthinkable because what you see Again, looking at what I've seen, I'm bearing witness, which is what often happens here in Existential Sunday. I am bearing witness to my own experience. What I have seen is that Black folks can speak and sing and talk about race. We'll come preach, sing, talk about race. And these things are like rooted in this whole narrative in the United States that exists about Black folks, that there's only a handful of things that we are actually equipped to do. I mean, we we actually even see this in, in athletics, in, in America's new pastime of football. Like, think about, I'm not going to stay too long here in football, because I know many of you aren't really into the sports ball stuff, but like the, the, um, the quarterback position in football has, throughout the history of, of football, been a position where white men hold that space because it's deemed face of the franchise it's a very cerebral position it's a position where you've got to be able to process a lot of information and make good decisions on the fly all of these things that the united states consistently tells us black folks aren't equipped to handle so when there is a black quarterback in the united states or in the nfl pay attention to how that black that black man is framed and talked about Pay attention to terms like running quarterback, athletic quarterback. Pay attention to the adjectives given so that we understand, oh, you're talking about someone black fulfilling a role. You're talking about something that's different than the norm. I mean, another example of this. Okay, like I mean, again, I'm bearing witness to what I've seen in my own in my own in my own life, right, from the Christian tradition, and I'm not. I'm not just so you guys are aware. I, I don't I don't say these things to just like put put evangelical Christianity over my lap and spank it. That's not what I'm trying to do. I am I am trying to illuminate some things that kind of hide in the dark that maybe we're not paying attention to, that maybe we're not aware of, that maybe we just don't think about. You know, there are I've been a part of, worked at church a church in particular churches actually that were multicultural one that was actually predominantly black and african that was led by white people in fact the church i'm speaking about specifically 
is a part of denomination that since I've left where I was at, I don't want to say too much so people don't know exactly who I'm talking about. I do try to protect the identities of the guilty. Um, but like <laughs> they they continue to send white leaders to pastor this almost entirely black, African, Haitian, Jamaican church. I cannot think of a single, not one, maybe you guys in the comments could probably add some, if you're aware of the unicorns, I would love for you to highlight some unicorns in the comments of wherever you're watching this particular broadcast from. I cannot think of a single church in the United States that is predominantly white, mostly white, that is led by black people. If I were just to say to you, imagine, imagine, imagine like that there's a church in town, like there's a new like person planting a church and you find out that person's black. Can you imagine that their congregation is filled with white people? You probably cannot. I certainly cannot, because what we keep seeing happening is that when black folks share their ideas about God, whether that be Dr. James Cone or I call him doctor, Dr. Michael McBride, whether that be um, Dr. Ali Henney, whether that be Alicia Crosby, Andre Henry, Corey Leak. And when we start to talk about God, when we start to talk about divine things, when we start to bear witness to our experience, we see consistently white Christians rush in to go, hey, no, can't say it that way. Can't talk that way. Why did you say this? I'll give you an example from my own life recently. I said on Twitter a couple of days ago, I said, and I meant this with my whole heart and I'm, I'm feeling it again right now. I, I don't, I'm going to misquote myself because I don't remember exactly what I said, but it was, it was along the lines of, I don't know that I've ever felt a greater freedom than the freedom to no longer be afraid or live my life afraid of offending white people or Christians. Ah, it was a liberating statement to make. It's a, it's a liberating say it out loud again. To like not tiptoe around, I don't want to say that thing because... Christians will be mad at me. I don't want to say that because white people will be mad at me. And I definitely don't want to say that because white Christians will be mad at me. And to live under that kind of oppression is not freedom. To live under that sort of like uh, sense that like, man, if I if I'm if I'm too you know, I can't wear this Black Lives Matter shirt because it's going to be too offensive to white Christians because they don't quite understand critical race theory and don't know if it fits in church. In fact, they don't think it does fit in church or in religious conversation or in, 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 it doesn't fit. It's, it doesn't fit in their, in their frame. So I am going to shrink regardless of what that shrinking does to me emotionally, regardless of what that shrinking does to how I experience life, how I experience God, how I experience faith, how I experience culture, how I experience justice, how much it suppresses my own uh, must 
much needed release of the trauma, I'm going to bury it so I don't offend white people or offend Christians. So I came out and said this out loud. Well, not out loud. I mean, you don't really say things out loud on Twitter. I guess you could, but I didn't. I tweeted it. And I came back to this tweet to find that a, a I think this, this guy pastors a fairly large church, this white pastor said, well, are you equally, are you, are you equally afraid of, or, or were you equally afraid of offending white people or Christians? And I'm like, there it is. There is the subtle policing of black thought. My thoughts can't just exist in the space that I put them in and you take it or leave it. You have to, you feel like it's your obligation to move in and say, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a Negro running free with his thoughts. There's a there's a black man who's saying things freely. We got we we have somebody somebody stop him. Somebody move in and 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 correct someone move in and add some weight to it. Add some theological context to it because we know good and well that he ain't studied, he hasn't read. He's not educated. He can just talk well. He speaks well. He's black, so he he knows the black experience, so he can talk about race, but he's now he's moving into our territory talking about faith or God or sharing thoughts that make me uncomfortable. So now I need to make sure that I police what this black man is saying, what this black woman is saying, what this black person is saying. I, <laughs> I am, uh, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Done, that's what it is. That's the word I'm looking for, I'm done. I'm done being policed. I'm done um, allowing people to solicit more from me when I make a statement. Like if you actually are asking a question in good faith, of course, I love those conversations. I invite those conversations. I embrace those conversations. In fact, I don't know anyone who doesn't embrace those conversations. I do fully believe, I say it at the end of every podcast, that we can contend for a better world one conversation at a time. I'm not sure we do that by one justification at a time. One, one. I make a statement that I have to justify and back up what, what I said because you think, you look at me and perceive what I'm saying through a certain lens. And before you start to say, no, that's not me, man, there is so much stuff baked into our way of being, especially in the United States, that we don't even pay attention to. It's why months like Black History Month, while there's so many folks that'll be like, wow, it should be it should be all year. Yeah, of course it should be all year. Listen to the podcast with Letty and, and start to understand the understand the richness of black history and understand how much there is that we don't know and how much we operate and start to fall into certain tropes before we realize we've even fell into it. White men can very easily fall into the trope of being the police 
of black thoughts, black ideas, black people, because that is the heritage from which they come. I can very easily and very quickly fall into the trope of being afraid of the master's whip because that's the DNA that's a part of me. So I have to do my own work to say, hey, I'm responsible for my liberation. I'm responsible for my freedom. And I'm going to make a declaration of freedom. And when I declare that freedom to not shrink back away or to not to not feel like I need to explain myself. But to go, no, I'm free. Like I'm legit free. Legitimately, I'm 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 free to think I'm free to believe I'm free to express. And the um hope I'm really explaining this well because in my brain I, I'm I'm hearing all these thoughts I'm feeling this thing I'm feeling the box and I'm understanding and, and I'm like I'm like remembering what the or, or feeling what it what it means to be a part of a Christian tradition and seeing how it boxes you in seeing how there are all of these scholars and theologians throughout history and throughout the world who have had different ideas about God and they have been free to do so. They have been free to explore what it means to be human, what it means to not be divine or to be divine, what it means to be created in the image of God, what it means to doubt that there is a God altogether and how all of that can fit inside of like spiritual exercise and exercises of faith unless you are black. Because then you're expected to assimilate to a certain way of thinking and being, and you don't have the intellectual dexterity to start to ask those questions or explore those things that are above you. So when you start to do that, we have to make sure that we corral you back into the safe place, that we can move you back into the, the space that you belong in, again, to Letty's point that is so brilliant and so true, so resonating and so tragic and so sad at the same time, that when we start to take up too much space, it's uncomfortable. And this is why after the first ever black president in the history of the United States, the United States followed it up <laughs> with what they followed it up with. And now they have golden statues erected to worship this former president. So there's that. I know you didn't think I was going to go on a whole, a whole existential Sunday and not at least bring up the golden statue. I mean, I know we all saw that, right? You saw, you saw the golden statue, but I'm not going to talk about it. It's not worth it. It's not worth the energy. This is what we do for folks that slid out of Christian evangelical fundamentalism into Christian nationalism and probably even further from that into a cult worshiping a world leader. We give them over to the creator because only the creator can fix shit like that. It, we can't do it. I mean, have the conversations if you want to, but when someone gets into a cult, 
I mean, we've seen cults. We've seen this happen. We've, we have seen, we know what, what a cult is. We know what it looks like for someone to get trapped into something that sounds right. It's reasonable. You don't like, you don't, you don't, you don't sign up outright for a cult. You slide into it. All right. I've said too much. Folks, thanks so much for, for watching this. One last thing I'm going to say uh, for all of you who are part of the Patreon community, I'm going to make a change to the Patreon because I have realized uh, this week that I um, have been um, participating in something that I don't think is right. And um, Patreon has this tiered system where, you know, you, if you give it a certain tier, you get certain things. And it's a real, um, for me, I fundamentally disagree with it. Those of you that are part of the Patreon community, I appreciate you. You give to the Patreon, excuse me, you give to the Patreon because you believe in the work and you you give the amounts that you give because you have it to give. You give what you feel like you want to give, what you feel moved and inspired to give and donate to as a part of the Patreon community. I'm removing the tier system where some of you get extra stuff. Hopefully you all understand that. I just think it's just a it's a bad example. And I, I can't, when I realized I was doing this, I'm like, man, this is so counter to everything I believe in about being more egalitarian, about being more holistic and thinking more about not having these human hierarchies. So I set up one and I'm sorry, it was wrong. So that's it. Grace and peace to all of you until next time.